Hello and welcome to the Professional Motor Mechanic Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Nee, editor of Professional Motor Mechanic magazine. The current issue of PMM is packed full of great content. We catch up on that complex diagnostic troubleshooter from Pico concerning the Honda Civic vibrating when accelerating. We sit down with Darren Darling to discuss everything from his first baby steps in the aftermarket to his fruitful partnership with JLM. And of course, we are offering you the chance to win a great prize on our website. This month, it's a diagnostic tablet from AutoWave. So head on over to the website after listening to this podcast and enter. Right now, a number of UK sectors are failing in their search for new recruits. Airlines, warehouses, and as you well know, garage workshops are struggling to fill positions. You guessed it, this month's hot topic is recruitment and your future workforce. Where are they? Why aren't young people choosing car workshops over, say, boiler replacements or university degrees, or even influencing? This episode, you'll hear from Brands Hatch. If you really want to be a mechanic, then go for it. It's brilliant fun. And? I think the problem is we don't, as an industry, go out and publicise it particularly well. And we pop into a Northampton garage. It's a spiral effect, whereas you're not getting the applicants to come and do apprentices. But before I take you to meet these guys, I'd like to pass you on to Deputy Editor Freya Coleman for this month's news. Over to you, Freya. Thanks, Kieran, and hello to all our listeners. I'm Freya, PMM's Deputy Editor and the News Editor for the Professional Motor Mechanic Podcast. And here's the news. Garages can now register any restrictions they face on access to vehicle manufacturer repair and maintenance information with a new form produced by UK AFCAR. Any information provided will be treated with the strictest confidence and will only be used to provide the evidence needed to show a vehicle manufacturer's non-compliance or restrictive practices. Examples to report include excessive charges, incorrect information, or having to go to a main dealer to complete the job. In other news, according to August's Startline used car tracker, 73% of motorists say speed limiters should be fitted to new cars. Intelligent speed assistance is a technology that can be built into your car to automatically adjust your speed according to the current speed limit. These devices have just been made compulsory on new cars being introduced in the EU. The new EU rules came into effect on the 6th of July and despite leaving the EU, the UK looks set to follow to reduce traffic, accidents and emissions. Now let's just take a brief look at what else is going on in the industry. A survey by Castrol has found that 45% of UK drivers will stay loyal to a workshop if they believe they're getting good value. Location was the second most important factor, customers looking for convenience in their garages. A new award show named the Scottish Garage Awards will take place on the 24th of September 2022, celebrating the highest standards of excellence in all aspects of the vehicle repair industry. 18 awards are up for grabs, including the Scottish Garage of the Year and the Scottish Apprentice of the Year. Commenting on the IMI report surrounding a rise in the number of EV-ready vehicle technicians, SEO Steve Nash has said the promising increase in technicians who have taken EV qualifications so far this year, which in turn makes them eligible to obtain IMI TechSafe recognition, is extremely encouraging. It's a real sign that the sector is responding to the increasing adoption of EV motoring. And finally, just a date for your diary. 
The next Mechanics show is set to take place on 8th and Wednesday the 9th of November 2022 at Sandown Park in Surrey. Exhibitors will include Varta, Deco, Continental and Autowave among many others. This year we are also proud to announce the seminar area will be hosted by two titans of the aftermarket, Hayley Pals and Tom Denton. Alongside talks from this dynamic duo, we have lined up talks from Neil Patamore, Darren Darling, Autotech and many more. To register your attendance, go to www.mechanics.info. And that's the news from PMM this month. Before I pass you back to Kieran, our digital editor, Kelly, wants to have a quick word. Thanks, Freya. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I just wanted to jump in quickly to say that if you do want to view some of our more technical content, but you live outside the UK, don't worry, you can read the digital version on www pmmonline.co.uk, which is where you'll also find our daily news stories. It's also where you can sign up to our weekly newsletter. That's the beauty of digital. It's borderless. Recruitment is a huge issue for many sectors. It's not just car workshops which are struggling to get new team members on board. Every sector is. There are less people looking for work. Lots of EU citizens have left the UK and many people have retired. We just don't have the bodies at the moment. Unfortunately, car repair doesn't seem a popular choice with school leavers either. Apprentices and college leavers are really important. Apprentices like our first guest, Tom. You'll meet him in a minute. You know, I actually think we're really lucky as a profession that young people love cars. For some people, cars are their main hobby. However, Gavin White, CEO of Autotech, thinks that that luck is running out and we must do much more to recruit young people. In a moment, we'll be heading to Brands Hatch to discuss recruitment with Gavin and Tom. Now, Tom won a competition hosted by Autotech to spend the day with the pit crew at Brands Hatch. Pretty cool prize. And I was lucky enough to be invited along. Autotech is primarily a recruitment agency for the aftermarket, which means Gavin is in an ideal position to share his thoughts and advice on recruitment. Anyone who has come across Gavin already will know he doesn't hold his punches. And Tom shares some interesting points too. Listen out for what he has to say about joining the industry. Okay, belts on. I've just arrived at Brands Hatch and I can hear the British superbikes already going, already well underway. It's a lovely overcast day. And after the heat wave earlier this week, we're all pretty thankful for it. Would I be right in saying that you were working on cars before you could actually drive one? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I started working on cars about three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all my friends, there's only me and one other person that can actually drive. Designated driver and designates a car repairer. Yeah. Where did you go to college then, Tom? I went to the College of West Anglia in Kingsland. All right. Okay. But I didn't start doing motor vehicles there. I started off doing uniform services. I did originally want to be a detective, actually. I wanted to work in homicide. But then I got my first motorbike, and I fell in love with that. So what age are we talking here, Tom? I got my first one at 16. All right. Was a, the same motorbike, it was a moped. Then I got my first actual motorcycle at 17. I got a 125, mm. and that's when I started doing motor vehicles at college. I started off doing level one, went through level two, but level two I was hardly ever at college because of COVID. Of course. Yeah. Through work experience in level one, I got myself a part-time job at a garage. And then over lockdown, I was working full-time there. Okay. Yep. I was, I never had a day off really, but unfortunately I lost that job because of COVID. We couldn't get enough business in, so they couldn't afford to keep me on. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating. Yeah. You were still at college at that point. Yes. Yeah. I then got onto level three 
at start of level three, I was working at Tesco for a while. Just at the supermarket? Yeah. And then I got offered a job at Pizza Hut as a delivery driver on my motorbike and started work experience at the garage I currently work at. Yeah. Brilliant. Which then led to full-time work since I finished college. College were really supportive of all this stuff. And then you've graduated now? From yes. Yeah. When did you finish that? End of June. I'm a fully qualified technician. What's the name of the garage you work for? I work for Autotechnics in Hillington. Now, obviously, you got into car repair because of your own passion. What advice would you give for anyone coming through school who doesn't quite know what to do? Would you suggest to them a, a career in mechanics? If you really want to be a mechanic, then go for it. It's brilliant fun. But compared to other trades, the motor trade is very low paying. Yep. So money-wise, the motor trade is not great. Okay. But if it's something that you do really enjoy, then by all means, go for it. There is good money to be made in the motor industry. I speak to a lot of garages and they complain that I ask them, do you have any apprentices? Do you have any young recruits? And they say, actually, the problem is that young people don't want to be mechanics anymore. There is a lot of that. And I would say that's mainly to do with social media sort of stuff, okay. really, is everyone likes to be clean and perfect, but in the motor trade, you're not. Everyone wants to be messy and oily. Yeah. But that's what it is to be there. Yeah. And there are a lot of people I think that would do really well in the motor trade, but that's just not what they want to do or they don't like the idea of getting their hands in that sort of stuff. And obviously Tom loving it so far. Where yeah. do you see yourself in five years? I don't even know what I'm doing next week. Tom did well there to chat with me with so much going on in the background. It was interesting to hear how he thinks social media is playing a part in deterring new recruits. In this next part, you'll hear Gavin share the reasons he thinks young people aren't entering the industry, but also what you could be doing to help. When you listen, in a moment, maybe think about how active you have been in developing the workforce of the future. Are you engaged with your local college? Have you ever spoken about the profession in a school? If you have been active, do let us know so we can share it with our listeners. Anyway, back to the track. It's a global recruitment issue, not a UK problem. And, and fighting for everybody in every industry. Obviously, Tom there did mention pay as mm. kind of being the number one negative of the industry. The other number one is something I've heard time and time again. Would you say that's one of the biggest challenges that are facing the workshop or technicians in workshop? It is. I think certainly attracting new talent. When we started this business about 15 years ago, you could find a very good vehicle technician slash MOT tester inside the M25. I'm just going to interject quickly here to explain what Autotech Group does in a bit more detail. Gavin co-founded Autotech in 2010 to address some of the skills shortages within the aftermarket. Primarily, Autotech supplies temporary vehicle technicians and MOT testers to franchise dealers, fast fits, and the independent sector, while delivering training courses through its training division. So last year, they launched Autotech Academy in order to help college leavers secure employment within the aftermarket through an internship. Okay, back to Gavin. For about nineteen to twenty-three thousand pound a year, wow. you're yeah. not getting a lot of change out of forty thousand pound a year now. I know of some garages now that are paying for good diagnostic master technicians in the circle of sixty grand a year salary now, plus bonuses, plus cards, and that sort of stuff. So you can see in probably around twelve years the change that's happened where we've gone from 23, 25 grand for 30 grand for a good master technician. My view of it is obscured by the wages of an editor, but I would have thought that earning 60 grand as an MOT tester, that's nothing to 
don't you know? No, uh, but I think the problem is we don't, as an industry, go out and publicise it particularly well. And I think this goes all the way down. And part of what we do with Autotech Academy and organisations such as the School of Thought and companies like LKQ that were sat here today, certain businesses are really starting to understand that we need to be getting into young people within middle schools, certainly around STEM subjects, because a technician of the future isn't going to be what we know a technician as now. We are going to need people that are very digitally skilled based, very good with reading electrical wiring diagrams, mm. software. You almost need a PC world type know-how engineer that you used to take your Dell laptop to and say, I've got a problem with this. And three days later, it comes back with a new hard drive or whatever it is they fixed with it. But that's not only what a vehicle of the future is going to be. So how do we as an industry go and attract those people? Actually, there's holes everywhere within the automotive sector, whether it's accountants, legal people, logistics, marketing people, sales people, finance people. There's 400 different job roles within the motor truck. And I don't think a lot of people know. We surveyed back in 2018, just as GDPR came in, we surveyed our database about 11,500 vehicle technicians and MOT testers. And interestingly, actually, the list of wants on there was that we asked them a very simple question of why did you leave your previous job? And actually, if I pose the same question to an employer, a lot of employers that we talked about, everyone's a mercenary, they're moving 50p an hour more. But actually, the technicians we were talking to, and about 74% of them come back and said the reason I left my previous job was broken promises around training. I was told when I started this job two years ago that I would be invested in, I'd become an IMI ATA accredited technician, I'd be part of the Master Tech course, I'd be given a clear, defined career ladder of where I could perhaps go to within the company. And it was like, what happened? I've not even had a health and safety briefing. I couldn't even tell you where the eyewash is. So these are some of the fundamental issues we have within our industry. I still walk into garages every day and it is like stepping back in time. It's like 20, 30 years ago yeah. when I was in a dealership. And you think, really? They were sitting here with cars that can drive themselves, yeah. talk to satellites, be controlled by anywhere in the world. And we can't even be bothered to print off an employment contract <laughs> for someone. The other side of our business also tech training is extremely busy at the moment. And that's not just because that's being driven by technology and EV vehicles and ADAS systems and all this other great stuff that's coming down the pipeline. It's because we've got a workforce that's an aging workforce that hasn't been invested in for decades. And people are frantically now trying to get people up to level. Yeah. They're doing it because they have to, because to continue offering services to their customer base. But equally, I think then the penny has now dropped. They are starting to say, can't quite afford to pay you the 40, 50, 60 grand a year you might want. Yeah. But actually what I will start to do is actually sit you on training courses so you can actually broaden your knowledge range, actually make you feel that I want you. Yeah. I, I want you as an employer. I care yeah. about you and I'm trying to do something for you. And I think unfortunately a lot for a lot and certainly within the independent aftermarket is a challenge. It's a big challenge because when you're running around in a garage and you're trying to fix vehicles and order parts and you've got six phones strapped to your head and some of you got to do an MOT in a minute. It's very hard then at the end of the day when you're doing quite a physical job and you're trying to do it all yourself as a, a small independent garage. It's a challenge to go home in the evening and then sit down and start writing a whole cultural business plan about how you engage your staff. But that's running a business. And if you want to scale your business and you want to be professional and earn money and have a profitable business, these are the things that you're going to have to think about in the future if you want to attract and keep people. What do you think garages can do better then to attract? I think part of why we're doing what we're doing with Autotech Academy is to try and localise 
by working with schools and colleges to bring that next generation in. When we started going to colleges, we were quite quickly finding there was hundreds and hundreds and thousands of students within local areas that were walking out of a college with their IMI Level 3 certificate or sitting guilds, whatever it is. And, and where was the automotive trade? It wasn't there to be seen. Nobody yep. was there. Everyone's got a skill shortage apparently. Yeah, yeah. But McDonald's were there, Tesco's were there, and everyone would say that's easy for them because they've got big HR departments, big infrastructure, And but hey, you need people, you've got to go and get them. I think there is an element within this industry, unfortunately, where we've lived on brand power for so long where back in the sort of 60s 70s 80s where owning a car was like the best thing and obviously if you had a beer you were lucky enough to have a bmw on the drive and not perhaps a ford sierra sapphire you made it in life the four bedroom house detached with a couple of nice cars on the drive it was that was what the aspiration was but look, at, the, at the end of the day they, those brands now aren't necessarily the brands that everyone aspires to work for. Yeah, they want true. to aspire to work for YouTube or become mm. bloggers and they and did your Amazons because they're the in vogue brands yeah. of the world at the moment. I think we've sat back for many years on our laurels really and just let other people come in and nibble away at our infrastructure. If you look at construction, hospitality, any of those sectors, everyone is struggling. And there's many reasons for that. COVID hasn't helped, the war in Ukraine hasn't helped, Brexit hasn't helped. But actually, globally, if you look at places like India, China, those sorts of countries, they've got more jobs than they have people as well. Yeah. And you're talking about nations that have got billions of population. Yeah. And in the UK, I think we're about 66 and a half million as a population. So the industry essentially needs to work doubly hard at the moment to get the new generation in. Yeah. Yeah, I think it needs to, I think we need to pull together. Back in March, we held an event at Rebel Racing where we brought about 300 individuals across in the morning and the afternoon. We had trade in the morning. We had the education sector in the afternoon, but 300 delegates come along. Big companies, we have big, big vehicle manufacturers there and big aftermarket businesses representing all sorts of the industry and it was very positive it was really positive to see everybody come out and go yeah we're all going to work together because the industry is very siloed yeah. and we've got something like 48 different trade associations in this industry and it's ridiculous I'm waiting for the next one to come on as a tire valve association oh, or whatever yeah. it is but <laughs> look, at the end of the day everybody's talking about the same stuff but we're not doing anything together i sent an email out a little while about two or three weeks ago to 60 businesses saying hey we've got an opportunity to at the british motor show which can have 70,000 people go through that show over a four-day period in august which are going to be lots of youngsters lots of parents there that we could be showcasing the skills within our sector out of the 60 businesses i emailed i had three responses tells you everything you need to know doesn't it my daughter actually left uh, lower school yesterday was the last day in there the school did a lovely yearbook and I was reading it last night and all the students but they're only nine years old all the children was like what would you like to be in the future and it was interesting the amount of them were like I wanted to be a, a video game designer or I wanted to be in some sort of digital services or there seems to be a lot of marine biology in there. I know, okay, I know a lot yeah. of people wanted to yeah. be marine biology Pretty to help sea <laughs> creatures. But actually, there was quite interesting, quite a lot of people in there that were quite interested in scientists, engineering. So the one is there. So it's interesting. Do you see then becoming an auto technician as part of that side of things? I think so. I think it needs, yeah, I think it needs to become more of a sort of STEM associated. You can go to some of these dealerships around the UK now. And they are absolutely fantastic. They're not an under the arches, oily, greasy, water dripping through the ceiling. 
they are almost like operating theatres. The, actually, do we need to be going out there with more of a mantra to say, you might consider being a doctor on a human being, but do you want to become a doctor on a car? Because yeah. that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about diagnostics. It's going to be yeah. fault finding. But yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Do you think more could be done to educate the schools? Agreed. We're taking some of the product in, letting the kids touch, feel, and letting them absorb it and take it in. I think maybe actually showing younger people diagnostics first before yes. anything else that might actually attract them because it's quite interesting stuff yeah no absolutely and i think you make a very valid point there is look we're on that sort of precipice at the moment of we've still got ice technology here we've still got diesel petrol engines and the reality is we will still have for the next 20 years until basically these cars will become classic cars where by the time we're ready to retire we'll be <laughs> driving around in a oh do you remember them cars that had a petrol diesel engine in them they'll be the ones that we'll all be hoarding as classic cars my, uh, polo being yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait you never know a lot of the people that we deal with and our contractor base in auto tech recruit are probably 40 years old plus they're not going to be around forever and at the moment some of them are interested in the whole electric hybrid era and they're grasping it and they're getting on with it. A lot of other people are like, this isn't what I signed up for. In brackets of the future, if that's what we were, we will be calling them in the future, are gonna need a whole different load of skill sets than the current crop of vehicle mechanics and technicians we have in our industry at the moment. That's so interesting. It's so interesting that you even question whether we'll call them technicians in the future. Do you foresee a kind of situation where the whole tra tra training route is completely different, it's completely overhauled? Yes, I think unfortunately, and I don't know where this kind of sits with, it's probably Department for Education, but at the moment, if you want to change an apprentice standard, you can only do it every five years. Cars are changing beyond belief every five months at this yeah. rate. In five years time, whatever's written as the syllabus then is probably 10 or 15 years yeah. out of kilter. So, that needs looking at because this stuff is coming down the hose pipe quicker than people can absorb it. So is, is, is there a big responsibility then for organisations like yours, Autotech, to, to play that middle part? I think there is, but I think the whole industry needs to get together and it's almost get on to government's back. I do feel sometimes sorry for organisations perhaps such as the IMI and I think Steve, I know I get on, Steve Nash I think does a an amazing job as amongst other people out there, the IGA, lots of other organisations, Stefan Hay at the NTDA, always lobbying government, always lobbying. But I think as an industry, we sit here and go, it's your job, the IMI, you go and do that. That's what we pay our membership yeah. fees for. But they're an organisation like anyone else. They can't they can't make the world spin the other way on their own. They yeah. need the help of the industry to get behind them. And we need to be getting together at whatever level we're at, whether you're a one or two man band independent garage, all the way up to big dealer groups and saying, hey, look, this isn't fit for purpose any longer. If you want mobility and we need people to be able to get around on trucks, trains, buses, planes, whatever that word is encompassed under that umbrella of mobility, we're going to need super duper smart engineers to be able to fix this stuff. And if we don't, then logistics grind to a halt. People can't get food to shops. We can't get water, sanitary, fire engines ambulances, none of these things that we all just take for granted happen without these people fixing. Where would you like to see the industry go within the next 10 years? There's no silver bullet to this, Kieran, to be honest with you. And I think, unfortunately, that is the mentality of certain businesses I deal with on a day-to-day. -day. It's like, I can't be that hard, let's just fix it, don't you? There's a good two or three decades worth of lack of investment 
that we have to unravel here and that's not something that we're just going to change overnight. This recruitment issue isn't going to go away anytime soon. So we have to pull together. I'd love to see the industry working more collectively together behind organisations like School of Thought, get those guys out into schools, talking to the next generation about how fantastic our industry is to work in. It's going to boil down to strategy. For a lot of these organisations, what is your recruitment strategy? And I fear, I genuinely fear for a lot of the independent aftermarket that unfortunately the reduction in some of those independent businesses out there will reduce. And there's many reasons for that. Cost of investment, cost of staff increasing. We mentioned it earlier, labour rates, I think was in one of your previous podcasts you mentioned. We speak to a lot of garages and they're still charging £40 an hour labour rate inside London. And the response to that is, why? Yeah. Why are you charging that? And they were like, because Bob Motors down the road charges £41 an hour labour rate. You're committing commercial suicide. Stop doing it. But that's the way our industry's built. Is cheap is best. Gavin doesn't mince his words, does he? His advice? If you need people, got to be proactive. Go out and get them. Okay, and now we're going to an independent garage called Combined Fleet Maintenance. They're in Northampton. We visited owner Chris Morphy and George Dincotta an Autotech Academy graduate. George started with CFM last year via the Autotech Academy. Okay, I'm taking you to the point of the interview where George, Academy graduate, is talking about why he really likes his job. Every car is different, so you learn every day something new. My dad got me into it. He told me like, in the future, going to be very helpful for you. So yeah, this like more paid jobs. Everybody needs it. A car breaks every day. Did any of your friends from school go on to become mechanics? All the people that I know, nobody went mechanics. Everybody went different courses. They didn't really like it. Most of them just did it because they didn't know what to do. Chris, uh, George mentioned there that not many people of his age are that really interested in getting into mechanics. Is this something that you found yourself? Absolutely. I think it's one of the core problems currently. So we're not getting it from ground roots. So they're obviously not wanting to do the courses. And I took apprentices on since I started the business in 85. And I probably took every other year I would take a new apprentice on. Yeah. But it's become very apparent that over the years, especially the last five years, that there isn't the right calibre of student coming through. And George is probably right in a sense they haven't got that passion to be in the motor trade. I feel the motor trade now is a very good trade to be in, mm-hmm. especially with electronics or the technology that's coming out now. It's not all about getting your hands dirty and being a grease monkey. So is it something you would recommend to the next generation? Well, I'm biased, but I've been passionate about mechanicing from like 10 years old, come through the racing world, did a proper five-year apprenticeship, sitting guilds, and was always sponged, absorbing information. Has Chris been a good boss? Yeah, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I want to specialise more in the electrics. As we're moving forward, the electric car becoming more appropriate. The diesel cars are getting less and less, like they don't want to sell it. As a company, we're very proactive on training. In actual fact, George doesn't know this, but he's going on a course for level one and two electric vehicles with ZF. Yeah, it's a bit of a coup for him. <laughs> well done. Yeah, because he's improved and we, I like to re- reward my staff and we buy a lot of training because I think the independent now, if they don't invest in their staff, invest in equipment and certainly training, they're not going to be around. 
You mentioned that you've been hiring apprentices one every two years over the past, I can't remember how many years, but quite, quite, <laughs> quite, a, quite a few. A lot of garages will be listening to that thinking, oh, that's, that sounds quite difficult. How did you do it? What's the secret? I think very early stages, it wasn't difficult. And again, I think we're going back to the, where the teachers at school were promoting practical skills, get a trade, and it was either mechanic, bricklayer, plumber, and it was relatively easy to get an apprentice. It's, like I said, it's certainly very hard now. And I don't think a lot of the people, male or female, have got the passion to do mechanicing at the moment, which is the core problem within the industry. What do you think could be done to, to change that? I think the core, the core problem is, is, and no disrespect to George, is the course he went on. It's great learning the theory and obviously health and safety and all that, but you've got to have hands-on. And that's the problem, they're not getting hands-on. And it's not fair on the student or the person that wants to employ them because they technically they're trained, they're fully qualified, but they've got no life experience in a garage. Like George said, the only experience he had was in the college garage where cars have probably been apart a million times. They're probably 20-year-old cars and they're not, bringing the technology. George is yeah, vigorously yeah. nodding. Yeah, yeah. Now over to James McKay, who started the Academy for some final thoughts. We set up Autotech Academy really, because there is this massive cohort of people that are leaving college with a level three qualification that are struggling to find their first job in a garage based on lack of hands-on experience. Now, we have a, a massive customer base with the recruit side of the business and all of the garages we work with have vacancies. That's the reason why they're coming to us temporarily a lot of the time because they can't fill the role permanently. Not going to be ready-made in a box when they come out when they come out of college. They will still need some investment from the garage to get them to this point. But if we can do what we're doing with Academy and help some of these get that hands-on experience and ultimately the garage will get the guy that they want at the end of it, then for me that's got to be a good thing. It's clear from the many points which have been made by our guests that we, as an industry, need to be more proactive. We need to go out and get young people involved. Autotech provides one route for injecting some young blood into the industry, but there are loads of organisations out there offering advice and practical help. And get in touch with your local college and ask them what you can do, if nothing else. Autotech is a handy option though, as the team there does a great job of funnelling recruits through to the right opportunities. Visit autotechrecruit.co.uk to find out if you could hire an Autotech intern. We regularly discuss the issues surrounding recruitment and training in the magazine, and we will no doubt be revisiting the topic on this podcast. So as we've heard in this episode, there is no silver bullet to the skills shortages the aftermarket is grappling with. Whilst there is a perfect storm brewing, encompassing a lack of direction for school leavers, complacency within the industry and the end of the European labour pipeline, there is still hope yet for the independent aftermarket of the future. You may have to row that bit harder, but sinking is not an inevitability. And that's it. Thanks to the whole team, Freya, Kelly, and our producer, Kirsty. Thank you to our brilliant and thoughtful guests. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Please remember to put the dates for Mechanics 2022 in your diary. That's Tuesday the 8th and Wednesday the 9th of November 2022 at Sandown Park in Surrey. To register for the event, visit mechanics.info. That's M-E-C-H-A-N-E-X. Next episode, we'll look at electrification. 
Should you go all in or should you hedge your bets on the internal combustion engine? Thanks all.